This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Green Pulse, a podcast series by The Straits Times, where we analyze the beats of the changing environment, from biodiversity conservation to climate change. Hi, I'm Audrey Tan, and I cover science and environment for The Straits Times. My co-host is David Fogarty. Hi, I'm David, and I'm the climate change editor at The Straits Times. Extreme weather, from fires to floods and rapid melting of polar ice caps, seems to be getting worse by the year. But can some individual events be directly linked to climate change? Well, to find out, our guest on this episode is climate scientist Freddie Otto, acting director of the Environmental Change Institute at the University of Oxford in England. Dr. Otto is also a climate change detective and co-leads World Weather Attribution, an international collaborative effort that explores climate change links. She will explain more about an emerging area of research called attribution science, which is akin to climate change CSI. Thanks very much, Dr. Otto, for joining us and welcome to the show. Hello. So, Dr. Otto, before we get into the meat of today's podcast, maybe you can start by telling us more about what attribution science is and why is it so important? Yeah. So, what we do, and your colleague David just said that already, is every time nowadays an extreme event happens, the question is immediately asked, was this climate change or not? And this is not a question that you can answer with yes or no, because ultimately every extreme weather event has many different causes, but climate change can be one of them. And so what we do in attribution science is we answer the question whether and to what extent man-made climate change has increased the likelihood of extreme weather events that are happening today. So would you be able to share why this is important? Like finding out the human fingerprint to each extreme weather event. How would that help policymakers or researchers, for example, better prepare for future ones? Today, we know that climate change is affecting the weather. And there are basically two ways of how climate change is doing that. So the first one is what we would call in science the thermodynamic effect, so the effect from the warming which means we have more greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, therefore the atmosphere overall is getting warmer. That means, on average, you see more heat waves and fewer cold waves. And also, a warmer atmosphere can hold more water vapor, and that needs to get out of the atmosphere again as rain. So, on a global average, we also see more extreme rainfall. But there is a second effect, and that effect is often called the dynamic effect. And that means that Because we have changed the composition of the atmosphere, we also change the atmospheric circulation, which is where weather systems develop, how they move, and when they move where. And this effect can be very different from season to season and from place to place. And it can work in the same direction as the warming alone. So you could see even more extreme rainfall events because... From the warming alone, you see more rainfall, but also you get more low-pressure systems bringing in rain, so you would see a much stronger increase in extreme rainfall in that particular place and season. But these two effects can also work against each other. And if there is no low-pressure systems bringing in rainfall, then it will not rain, no matter what the warming is doing. So it can either be that there are no changes in this particular part of the world in extreme rainfall, or it can be that it gets actually much drier. And because of these, this second effect, we can't say just from our physics understanding what climate change actually means on the scales where people live. We have to look at these scales and at 
the kind of events that people are vulnerable to in order to actually understand what does climate change mean for people. And that's what we do in attribution, and that's why it is so important. Because if you know that what you've just experienced is because of climate change, and climate change is, is a real game changer and making it much more likely, then you know what you need to prepare for. But similarly, if you know that climate change is, is not a big driver, then you need to find out, okay, why were the impacts so large? Why were we so vulnerable to this? So what are other things that we can do to prepare for these kind of events? So that's very interesting. And I'm wondering whether there are any scientists who have actually looked into how climate change or whether climate change has any impact on recent events. So for example, the fires in the west coast of the US, they have dominated headlines around the world in recent weeks. Is there a climate change link there? So for the California fires, there hasn't been an attribution study, not by my team or by any others. So I can't quantify the link to climate change. But what we do now know, and we also know it for California, is that extreme temperatures have increased a lot because of climate change also in California. And of course, wildfires are a very complex extreme event and extreme temperatures are only one part of it. But they do play an important role in the meteorological conditions that you need to have to have fires. And these conditions are extremely high temperatures, dryness, so no rain and low humidity, and also high winds. And we do see a strong increase in the likelihood of extreme temperatures and also in the intensity of extreme temperatures. And we have no evidence that any of the other factors of fire weather are changing a lot. And so therefore, climate change is an important driver of these fires. But it's definitely not the only one. And of course, also the meteorological conditions of fire, so the fire weather is only one part of it. There are also important other factors like what fuels are available, how are they managed, and so on. That, of course, plays also an important role in the size of the fires and so on. So the fires in the US, as I said earlier, they have dominated headlines, but they also remind us about the Australian fires. And some of the impacts you described, like hotter weather, drier vegetation, they also seem to have occurred in Australia. So have you done any digging into you know, the human fingerprint for the Australian fires? So we have indeed done an attribution study on the fires in Australia in the Austral summer 2019-2020. And we did find that climate change made these kind of weather conditions that led to this particular fire at least 30% more likely. And that is also, again, in the very similar way that I described for California, dominated by the strong increase in extreme heat in Australia. And in fact, we have done quite a few studies on bushfires and wildfires in recent years. And because of the fact that climate change is an absolute game changer when it comes to extreme heat, we have seen fires in places where we haven't seen fires before. So California and Australia have always had fires and it's part of the, the natural ecosystems. But in other places like Sweden, for example, there have also been recent wildfires which are very unusual and don't happen that much. And there we also see the fingerprints of climate change. Climate change impacts, of course, take on many forms. You know, we see them in the headlines. So it's obviously, it includes heat waves to droughts, as well as floods, as you mentioned, from storms or more intense rain episodes. But what's the clearest climate change signature that the world is facing? Is it still heat and heat waves? 
Yes. So when you look at the numbers, heat waves are by far the type of extreme event where climate change has the most impact and where climate change is as I said, a real game changer and is making heat waves orders of magnitude more likely. So what used to be a one in a hundred year event is now an event you can expect to see every other year. And with temperatures continuing to rise, might even be the summers, for example, we have seen in Europe in recent years, which have been very hot. They are already not very extreme anymore because of climate change. And with rising temperatures, they might even become on the more cooler end of European summers. So if you just look at the numbers, it's definitely heat waves. And also, we do underestimate that heat waves are actually really dangerous because especially in developed countries, heat waves are by a large margin the types of extreme events that kill most people. But of course, it's not the only impact of climate change that we see. We also do see, and you've mentioned that, changes in extreme rainfall that can lead to flooding, and particularly extreme rainfall associated with hurricanes, we see a strong increase. And while the numbers are much smaller, so there we have a three times increase rather than a 300 times increase in the likelihood, but our societies have adopted over hundreds of years to a very stable climate. And so even if we have just relatively small changes in these hazards, that very quickly brings our societies to the edge of what we are able to deal with. And, and I think in Australia and with the fires, we have seen that if the fire would have been any bigger, there would not have been any firefighters who could be sent to fight them anymore because that was just the edge of what the Australian society could cope with and that even in a highly developed and rich country like Australia. And I think it is also really important to stress that climate change does not mean that humanity will cease to exist or that the world will completely collapse. But what climate change does is that through these comparably small changes in extremes, it affects the most vulnerable in each society the most. And so social inequalities and injustices are exacerbated by these effects. And so that is what the really dangerous changes are that, that climate change brings. So it's much more the social tipping points rather than any physical tipping points that we are seeing now and in the immediate future. Yes, and it's interesting, those tipping points, certainly. It's the poorer, more vulnerable nations that are particularly affected, but also wealthy countries, as we've seen in the US and Australia. But I just wonder, just going forward, whether we expect linkages to specific events and not just fires or, or droughts or floods, do we expect those linkages to become sort of clearer? I mean, what's your work as a detective sort of showing us in terms of either the intensity or the frequency? I mean, can you tell us a little bit about what you expect is going to happen in the work of attribution science? You know, is, is it going to become easier or certainly as extremes, I guess we expect extremes to get worse. Is it going to be easier to point the finger more readily? I mean, how would you sort of go about that? I think... Yes, for some events, certainly with increasing temperatures, the signal of climate change will be easier to detect. But I don't think that that will be the most important or most noticeable change in attribution science. So at the moment, it is still the case that there are very few group scientific groups in the world who do these kind of studies. And we are very far from having a comprehensive overview of 
what the role of climate change in the extremes is that have been observed in recent years. And I think the main progress or the most immediate progress that we are making is just that, that more people are starting to work on these questions. And so the methodologies we already have will get better and we will get better at also combining different methodologies to be able to assess the confidence we have in our results much better. So I think even without any more increase in, in global warming, although that will, of course, happen, we will be much better able to get a more comprehensive idea of what the impacts of climate change are actually today. And that the main advantage or the main progress will be just because there will be more manpower, more brains working on this and developing the methodologies. That was, at least in the last two or three years, really what made a huge difference. And then, of course, there are other aspects that do play a role, the availability of data, Because in order to do these attribution studies, you don't only need climate models, but you also need observational data, so data measured in weather stations. And that is, in many parts of the world, quite difficult to get hold of. But there are large global projects trying to digitize data that is currently not digitized and so not available to the scientific community. And also, yeah, rescue older data so that we get actually a better overview of what the weather actually is in the world we live in today. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Green Pulse on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or even on Spotify and like us and give us a rating. Now back to our conversation with climate scientist Freddie Otto on why climate change sleuthing is so important for all of us. So Dr. Otto, you mentioned earlier that heat waves is perhaps one of the clearest signatures of climate change. But could you explain how this could have you know, cascading impacts on other climate change uh, impacts that we are experiencing today, be it the melting of our two ice sheets or even the increased incidence of hurricanes, for example? As I said at the very beginning, there are basically two ways of how climate change affects extreme weather. The warming alone, but then also the the changes in in the atmospheric circulation. And while we we have a high confidence in the effects from the warming alone, and we are currently observing the changes in the extremes um, predicted from that over the last 30 years unfolding in pretty much exactly the same way as they have been predicted. The other component, so the changes in the atmospheric circulation are harder to predict and to project because they are much harder to simulate in climate models. And there has been a lot of development in climate models in recent years, and there are a lot more and better climate models. So we will, our understanding about these other changes. For example, when you said that we are seeing more hurricanes. And yes, we do see more hurricanes in the North Atlantic. And we would probably also see them elsewhere, but we don't actually have the observational data to allow us to make any confident assessments about that. And so with more data being rescued and more models, better models being available, we are able to shed more light on this. But I think it is really important to stress that there are tipping points in the climate system and the ice sheets are melting. Whether this is still reversible or not is a question that no one can answer at this point in time. But 
What is the most important is that even with the impacts we see today, which are not non-linear or worse than we expected, but pretty much linear and in line with what was expected, we do already get to the limits of what we are adapted to in our societies today. And if we really want to fight climate change, we can't continue just to stare on the physical system and try to increase our confidence in these or that impact. But we have to act today. And acting means, on the one hand, of course, to stop burning fossil fuels. But on the other hand, it also means fighting social inequalities because climate change is undoing some of the social development that we have seen in recent years. And so without fighting racism, inequalities and so on in our society, we will not be able to deal with climate change. So I think that is really where things like extreme heat and more extreme rainfall really have their most profound impact. And I guess we've seen certainly examples of extreme rainfall from some hurricanes. I mean, I think most people will remember Hurricane Harvey where it basically sat on top of uh, Houston for a week. And there was an early attribution study which said that was, I can't remember the percentage, it was something like 15% more likely that that storm happened because of climate It was 15% more intense and three times more likely. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you would know. <laughs> that was a very exciting study because... We've done it very quickly after the event happened and in a highly politicized climate. Mm. So every step that we did was watched very carefully. So I will not forget that study. Right. <laughs> now, of course, climate skeptics are never very far away. And for a long time, skeptics have said extreme weather events are just natural variations. You know, you, you can't sort of separate out what's climate change and what's natural. But... I'm guessing now that attribution science shows increasingly that that's just not the case. So how do you respond to skeptics who don't believe in the climate connections? Well, it's always very difficult to talk to people who think that climate change or climate science is something you can believe in or not. Because, well, climate science is physics, ultimately. And if you don't believe in the laws of physics, then you better don't board an airplane anytime soon or, or do any other of the things that our understanding of physical science has made possible in the last centuries. So I think that if that is the attitude, then there is not too much point in having a conversation. But I think the much more difficult or the much more important part of that conversation is the people who are influenced by skeptics and being and thinking that climate science, we don't know anything and everything is uncertain. And that's a much bigger part of the population and also a much more important one. I think it is really important to talk about how science actually works and what science is. And that it's not that there is one genius who comes up with an idea and then that leads to a formula that then gets used to calculate everything. And all the results of that calculation are then facts. But that science is, is much more ingrained with society and questions we ask and the answers we give are constantly evolving. And so uncertainties in science is something that is totally normal and is the case in every science. And I think hopefully that might be one of the things that might come out as a positive of this pandemic. Well, we have seen a different kind of science 
also very much done in the public eye. And so the public gets to see how science evolves with new data, uh, how answers change when questions are posed in a slightly different way. And I think that understanding is crucially important to be able to disentangle facts from, from fake facts and also to not be surprised that there is never a single number coming out of a scientific study, but that's always a range. So yes, thank you, Dr. Otto, for that very interesting talk today. I think that, I mean, what the pandemic and climate change has shown is that when we're in such a highly politicized environment, the science really could speak volumes and attribution science would definitely be an area to watch. So thank you for speaking with us today, Dr. Otto. Thank you. Thank you very much. For more on climate change, do check out the stories in The Straits Times. That's a wrap for Green Pulse and we hope you enjoyed our discussion. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.